Praise God, you guys. It's great to see everybody. Uh, the name of this message, well, you got to go to Revelation chapter 22. That's the verse we're on in our Revelation series. We're actually in the last half of the last chapter of the book of Revelation. I know we've jumped, we jump around a lot when we're in Revelation, but we also have jumped around looking at other books. We covered actually the book of Jude last Sunday. Uh, so, but we're in Revelation chapter 22, and it talks about the new heaven and the new earth in chapter 21 and 22, but it also talks about the destiny not only of the righteous, those who've been made clean by the blood of Christ, but it talks about the destiny of the wicked, those who reject Christ, those who want to be their own gods. And we read in chapter 22 of the book of Revelation, verse 14 and 15. Beginning that, let's take it at verse 13. The Lord says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter the gates into the city. How many of you want the right to eat of the eternal tree of life? Amen? You're, you'll be blessed. if you're, And it only happens if you've washed your robes, if you've been cleansed from the stench of your sin and your own wickedness by the blood of Christ. And those who refuse to, verse 15, it says, outside are the dogs. We looked up that word. It refers to a lot of different things. Uh, uh, prostitutes, uh, false teachers, all kinds of wicked people. Outside of the dogs, everyone but Fido. It's not talking about literal dogs there, okay? Outside are the dogs and the sorcerers and the immoral persons and the murderers and the idolaters and everyone who loves and practices lying. That word, there's really one Greek word there translated sexually immoral, and it's the word porneo, the word from which we get pornography, it deals, it's a word that speaks of sexual sin. And these are those who are outside the holy city. Where are those who are involved in these sins? We've covered a lot of these sins, all of them, to one degree or another, in this series of the book of Revelation, specifically when we've been dealing with verse 15 here. But if they're outside the city, where are they outside the city? Go back to Revelation chapter 21, verse 8. But for the cowardly, that's those who renounce their faith under persecution, and unbelieving, and abominable, and murderers, and immoral persons. There you have the porneto again, okay? And sorcerers, the pharmakeia, those who uh, use magic and witchcraft and, and drugs to open themselves up to the demonic world, like ayahuasca, which is so popular right now among so many in Hollywood and spreading throughout our nation. We're going to do a whole little series on pharmakeia. I've taught on that before. There was drugs in the New Age Revolution, a, a video out there, I should say, a uh, audio that we've had available for probably 25 years. Uh, and then he says, idolaters and all liars, their part will be in the what? Lake that burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. That's where they're at outside the city. I want to talk to you because it's just been on my heart, and I, I can't see how it cannot be on any Christian's heart who cares about uh, the Lord, who cares about his word, who cares about the, the lost, who cares about society, who cares about the church, who cares about our family, who, who care about our children. And the name of this message is basically protecting your family from the woke agenda. And the woke agenda, when we speak of the woke, it's those who are really asleep, you know. The Bible says, have no fellowship with the fruitless deeds of darkness, Ephesians 5.11, but rather expose them. And it talks about, let the light of Christ shine on you, O sinner. Christians are the ones who have, are awake spiritually, amen? So it's just, it's irony. It would be actually funny if it wasn't so sad that those who are, are lost, those who are rejecting God, those who are, don't understand true biblical morality, call themselves the woke. We've reached a time. Where, as the Bible says in Isaiah chapter 5, that time has come again, where they'll call good evil 
and evil good. And now with the woke agenda, uh, it's the far left, you know. And it's not, that, it's not good enough for you just live and let live and let them live their lives. You have to let them teach your children. You have to let them indoctrinate your children or you're evil because they want to recast your children in their image. And with this whole transgender thing right now, I mean, I just read recently there's one person saying there's actually billions of genders, different genders now, you know. And it's not enough for you to just say, okay, that's going to be between you and God. I've warned you. I love you. No, you have to let us have your children. You have to let us have their minds. And a lot of Christians are unaware that this movement is growing. And there is a bi- there's bi- biblical prophecy that warned that this would happen. And we need to be aware of what's going on because it's at your front door. And it's interesting to me, that whole movement was in the closet now. Now it's moved out of the closet. Now it's moved to the streets parading itself, calling it pride. And it's trying to shove you in the closet. Or off with the head, as we just saw that massacre that just took place with three little innocent six-year-old kids butchered, killed, and a few adults at a Christian school. And the manifesto, they don't want to let it out. They're going to heavily redact it because we don't want people to see what's in it because it's dangerous. Yeah, because it shows your woke agenda, you know, some of it perhaps. Now, it's interesting, the first scripture I want to share with you that's so important is right here in uh, the book of Psalms. It's a warning. It's a, if the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? If you don't have a foundation to stand on, you're going downstream, man. You're, you're, you're going down. In fact, you know what? If anybody's in the building, some of you are builders, some of you are contractors and so forth, it's important to have a foundation, amen? In San Francisco, uh, we'll look at the next slide. Here's what happens when you don't have a good foundation. Here's a massive sinkhole. Your house goes down the tubes, Right there, you can't see it very good, but that's just a hole that just heads toward Hades, you know. And it's just like, and there's these massive sinkholes just recently because of the weather, uh, all the rain we've been having here in Southern California for the first time in years, right? Uh, part 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 of the zoo went down, you know, into the sinkhole, you know. Homes go through sinkholes. In Frisco, it's really interesting because right now, it's not just these physical sinkholes, right? The Lord says, and this is a scripture we just passed up, except the Lord build the house, the laborers labor in vain. If the Lord's not building your house, you're laboring in vain, man. And I'm not talking about your physical house, no, I'm talking about your spiritual house. Right now in San Francisco, they're decriminalizing all kinds of criminal activity. They're saying it's not a crime anymore. So you have all kinds of people moving out of San Francisco, all kinds of families being destroyed. Uh, even Amazon owning, owning Whole Foods. Whole Foods had to get out of there because people are just getting misdemeanors out. Most they can rip off up to almost, you know, almost 500 bucks and just get a slap on the hand, so people just walk in and out. You've been seeing on the news maybe 50, 100 kids just ransacking stores. Lawlessness is just radically increasing throughout our nation, and it's really, really heartbreaking. And you need to make sure your foundation is built on the rock. And Jesus talked about building your foundation on his word, amen? The word of the Lord. In fact, just very simple things that we take for granted that people understand or understood years ago what marriage is, Right? Well, look at what Genesis 1.27 says about marriage. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and what? Female. female. He made humanity male and female. Not three, four, seven, ten, or billions, as one person said, of genders. There's two genders, male and female. It's very, very apparent that a little kid could tell the difference, okay, between a male and a female when you're changing diapers, Okay, they'll say, pee-pee, you know, boy. They could see, 
Little kids know the difference between a male and a female, okay? Uh, we're very, very different. Right now, there's this big controversy because men, uh, like this one swimmer who ranked 500 and something, he was just not a very good swimmer, you know, claims to be a woman, and then he, gets, he, he beats the top swimmer in the nation. And she's out saying, hey, this is not right, you know? Another gal just retired from her sport because she got a ball slammed to her head playing volleyball and got a bad concussion because it was a dude that did it that's claimed to be a woman. Whatever happened to so-called women's rights? Men taking over women's sports, you know? Could you imagine LeBron James and, and uh, uh, you know, just take some good basketball players saying, hey, you know, let's say LeBron retires, right? I mean, that guy's defying age and everything, right? He's like in his late 30s or 37, 38 right now. Let's say he retires at the age of 39 or 40 or even sooner. But he's like, you know what? I still love basketball. I just can't compete anymore at that age. I'm going to become a woman. Then I'm going to dominate both. Then he'll be the best WNBA player ever for years to come. I'm no kidding. I mean, I'm, you're laughing, but that's true, right? I mean, he would just dominate for the next five years. You'd have a 62-year-old LeBron. He's still dominating the WNBA, you know? And, but it's not right, guys. It's, 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 it's so evil. It's so wrong. And, and it's displacing all these women that are just being pushed out of women's sports and so forth. Now, what happened is you find out very early in the book of Genesis that that sexual sin enters into the picture, okay? God creates male and female. Men, you're made a certain way, and you reproduce. Females, you're made a certain way. If you're, if you're a woman, guess what? It's not by accident that you have had a period, okay? Maybe you're older, you've reached menopause, you don't have it anymore, but you, you have a period for a reason, because you were created, unless God gives you the gift of singleness, to bear children, to fulfill your, but the enemy wants to steer you away from that reality because the Lord goes on to say, be fruitful and multiply, amen? And he created men to be men and women to be women. And it's just interesting, it's very, very heartbreaking that right away from the get-go, you see the devolution of humanity. You see uh, the antediluvian world descend into sexual uh, sin. You see, when you go through the book of Genesis, all of a sudden you see rape, you see incest, you see adultery, all these things from Genesis onward. And you also see uh, in the book of Genesis, as early as chapter 19, because it says in the book of Romans that God gave them over because they didn't want to worship God anymore. They wanted to worship themselves. They wanted to worship creation more than the creator, it says. It says God gave them over to depraved minds where the men began to have sex with men. And we read about what happened in that situation in Genesis chapter 19. And we see in Genesis chapter 19, it talks about Sodom. Before they lay down, the men of the city, that's these two angels in the form of males come and visit Sodom to take Lot and his family out. It says, before they lay down, the men of the city, the men of Sodom surrounded the house, both young and old, all the people from every quarter. Isn't that interesting? They're surrounding the house, and what are they demanding? Lot, send those men out there so we can have sex with them. Send them out. And Lot's like, no, don't do this. And there, guess what? They, now, notice this, this, you guys. Jesus said in the last days it would be like it was in the days of Lot. There'd just be this huge glorification of homosexuality. And he said it would be the same as it was on the days, in the days of Lot. That's prophetic. It's going to happen again. And there, now, notice it says young and what? Old. They got the younger generation. All of Sodom was doomed. That's why the Lord is saying, hey, Jesus said a wicked and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign, Right? But when a wicked and adulterous generation becomes so given over to their perversion, where it's, it's transgenderized, it's like total confusion, if they get to a point where there's no repentance. And our nation is pretty close to that, if not there. 
And then the Lord judges it. And Jesus says, on the same day that God rained fire and brimstone, and there's brimstone, I've told you that before. If you go to Sodom right now, ancient Sodom in Israel, there's all this brimstone everywhere. And there's no volcanoes there. They're like, where did this come from? Well, we know where it came from. So it's interesting. They're, and you know what they started saying a lot? Well, right here it says, Before they lay down, the men of the city, the men of Sodom, surrounded the house, both young and old, all the people from every quarter. And they were demanding you let these men out so we could have sex with them. Whew. You know, Lot, Lot didn't let him out. He blew it, right? He still blew it. He didn't make the best decision. And the angels blinded these guys, and they're groping at the door, blinded. They leave Sodom. God destroys Sodom and Gomorrah. But what's interesting, what they said about Lot, when he, and he was, he was an elder at the gate. He was probably the last conservative voice in Sodom, right? And God just takes him out. It's interesting what they, they said to him. Who are you to judge us? You make yourself a judge. Now, isn't that interesting? They were not just outside the closet. They were at his front door, and they were saying, you're judging us. He was evil because he's trying to protect his guest. We're evil because we're trying to protect our children. What in the world? Do you guys see the parallels? This is crazy what's going on. Because Jesus said it would be the same as it was in the days of Lot. So the Lord gave the law to his people, Israel, through whom the Messiah would come. So anybody in the world and everyone, he would die for everyone so whoever could be saved. But he gives his law as a school teacher to teach them the difference between good and evil. And to, uh, as a harbinger of the fact that they're going to need their Messiah as well. And look at what we read in the book, in the, in, in the law, Leviticus chapter 18, verse 22. Uh, we'll just go to the next one. You shall not sleep with a male as one sleeps with a female. It is what? An abomination. So men, if you, Satan tries to tempt you to sleep with another man, that's not biblical. That's an abomination before God. The next scripture, Leviticus 20, verse 13. If there is a man who sleeps with a male as those who sleep with a woman, both of them have committed a detestable act. They must be put to death. They have brought their own deaths upon themselves. Now, we're not under this law. We're under the, not the law of Moses. We're under the law of who? The law of who? The law of Christ right now, right? But this was a theocracy and under that law, that was considered a capital offense. It's considered a capital offense in different parts of the world. As Christians, we don't call for the death of people that are uh, sleep, a man with a man or a woman with a woman. We, we say, Jesus loves you. God died for you. Get right because we will face eternal judgment though, right? And we, we love them. We love people. Guess what? Everybody here, most people here, I would say, had either committed adultery, fornication, homosexual activity, or whatever. These are all sins that damn us. All of us could be damned. Amen. Because the Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. What we preach is Christ and Christ crucified and then give you victory over sexual sin. Amen? But that God takes it very, very seriously. And that we need to come to the Lord. And that he changes us. He transforms us from the inside out. Amen? God wants to do these miracles in our lives because he's that good. Now this is going to get really, really, really heavy, guys. I'm going to show you some clips that are going to just trip you out. And you're going to be out. You're going to leave here. I hope you leave here brokenhearted and then also uplifted saying there's hope in Christ, you know. But the Lord also warns against transgenderism. Wait, I mean, he always, he made it clear. Uh, 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 you know, guys, big note, God made it clear on sexuality. He hasn't left us in the dark. In fact, look at what it says in Deuteronomy chapter 22. Deuteronomy 22. And here, when we see this scripture, uh, chapter 22, verse 15, the very next slide, I think it's got a glitch going on. I'm taking you to the wrong. Jeremiah, I'm sorry, Deuteronomy 22, 5, yeah. A woman shall not wear a what? A man's clothing, okay? 
Nor shall a man put on a what? Woman's clothing. For whoever does these things is what? An abomination of the Lord your God. He doesn't say it's an abomination, it's an abominable thing. He says the person who's doing it is, becomes abominable before God. Because they're identifying as that which is contrary. God is holy, guys. He made the entire universe. It's an amazing, powerful God, amen? And he's a God of order. The Bible says he's not the God of confusion. He's not a God of confusion, 1 Corinthians 14. We'll look at the next slide. Jesus affirmed, reaffirmed God's plan from the very beginning. The Lord Jesus Christ, that is. And somebody said, what, did Jesus speak on these issues? Yeah, he emphasized that, that God created us male and female. In fact, in Matthew chapter 19, verse 4, it says, And he answered and said, Have you not read that he who has created them from the beginning made them what? Male and female. Uh, the next slide. This is where Jesus said, In the end times, it will be just like it was in the days of Lot. And this next scripture is Leviticus chapter 17, verses 28 through 30. I may have given you guys too many slides or something, huh? Is that, what's that, I'm sorry? Oh, okay. Well, I already, meant, I already quoted it anyway. So how about Jude 1.6? I gave Josh these slides to do, so I'm, I'm sure he's missed a couple here and there because he had so much work to do. So I really appreciate what Josh did in stepping up. Uh, and angels who did not keep their own domain but abandoned their proper dwelling place, these, well, I can keep reading what like I usually do. Uh, it says, these he has kept in darkness, bound with everlasting chains for the judgment of the great day. In a similar way, Sodom and Gomorrah and the, and the surrounding towns gave themselves up to sexual immorality and perversion. They serve as an example of those who will suffer the punishment of eternal fire. That's, that's serious stuff, guys. And it's interesting because if you go to Revelation chapter 11, verse 8, uh, and their dead bodies, it talks about the two witnesses who are k- killed by the Antichrist. It says they'll lie dead for 42 months. And it says in the great city, the city that's called spiritually Sodom and Egypt. So even Israel is going to be called Sodom and Egypt in the end times. Sodom because of being given over to sexual perversion. And also Egypt because they'll be given over to occultism in the last days before Christ returns. Well, you guys, we see what's going on here. Scripturally, what the Bible says would happen. It's exactly what's happening. Be like the days of Lot. Be like the days of Sodom and Gomorrah. They'd be given over to sexual confusion, sexual sin, sexual perversion. Now, it's important to understand that, that this is not a physical war. We're not, as Christians, my strong conviction is Christians are not to be militant and, 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 and try to spread Christianity by force. That's a, that's a wicked doctrine. That's not scriptural. The Bible says, Jesus said, if my kingdom was of this world, then my servants would fight. His kingdom is not of this world. Amen? We don't wrestle, Paul says, against flesh and blood, but against what? The principalities, against the powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, spiritual weakness, high places. It's a spiritual war. That's why Paul says that in Ephesians 6, and that's why in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 4 and 5, he says the weapons of our warfare... The war that we're in are not physical, he says, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds and casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. All the lies, right? Because Satan's the father of lies and bringing every thought into the captivity of Christ. So we fight Satan, who is the father of lies, who is deceiving the world, right? And he has a lot of people in high places. You know, I was just talking, Chris Williams and I were talking yesterday, and we're talking about how all these leftists throughout the media, you know, and academia and, and, and politics and, and, and uh, Hollywood, how they're all saying the same thing. 
And he's saying there's one atheist who sees what's going on to a degree. And Chris was like, it's weird. He sees what's going on. But he's like, but they're all saying the same thing. It's like, how can they all say the same thing at the same time when they don't like have one leader? And Chris is saying, and I'm agreeing, we're like, yeah, because it's spiritual. It's demonic. There's demonic entities. But we can actually prove it because uh, there has been a satanic movement afoot to transform uh, human sexuality and, perver- and make it perverse for years. And we'll go to the next slide. And here you see Aleister Crowley. This is a book by John Simmons. There's a bunch of books this is on Crowley, and he's called the, he called himself the Great Beast. He signed his name, the Great Beast. He was a sexual pervert. He had a sex temple called the Abbey of Philema in, in Italy, and they eventually kicked him out of that sex temple, and Mussolini had the uh, paint put all over his orgies that were on the walls. He practiced sex magic, but he was a Satanist organizer. He's the most highly regarded Satanist of all time. And Crowley's whole thing was perversion, in fact, look, look at what he says. We'll go to his teachings. He says, mar- he wrote in, this, in his confessions, marriage is a what? Detestable institution. He was against biblical marriage. The only marriage he seems to talk a lot about that he likes is the marriage between the, the beast himself, he hoped to be the Antichrist, he wasn't obviously, and the whore of Babylon. That's the marriage he liked. And then he also said this. He, he said the family is public enemy what? The family. Satan hates the family. Public enemy number one. Satan hates the family. Okay, it's a building block of society. Why do you see when you see the down, uh, the, the, the downtrodden, the, the families disintegrate? You see societies disintegrate. He said the family's public enemy number one. He says wherever the family has been strong, it has always been an engine of tyranny. Well, an engine of tyranny against Satanism, yeah, against woke philosophy, yeah. Uh, so Crowley was, you know, all about trying to usher in the coming Antichrist, who's called the man of sin, the, the man of lawlessness. Uh, next slide. Crowley said this in his book, A World's Tragedy. He said, quote, let me seduce. He was a bisexual let me sed- and a pedophile. He says, let me seduce the boys of England. I shall fight openly for that which no living Englishman dare defend, even in secret, sodomy. Sodomy is an aristocratic virtue. So he was trying to seduce the young. Okay, he would even go to... School campus is a pass out his pamphlets trying to get people to come to his sex temple and so forth. Now, we'll look at the next slide. This is a video called the Kinsey Syndrome. We did this many uh, moons ago. Uh, Chris Pinto and myself, we teamed up and did this before Chris had moved to Tennessee. And this video, by the way, Ted Bear, probably the most pr- famous uh, Christian movie critic, says that this film... After it came out, he reviewed it and says it's one of the most important productions of the 21st century. And here, you go to the fellowship where we did it, and you haven't seen it? Check it out, man. Check it out. When you check it out, pray first, man, because your heart will just break in half. Because we show that Alfred Kinsey, the top sexologist in our country, whose works have been quoted throughout academia, throughout the country, and when Playboy magazine started, they started by quoting his works, because guess what? This guy's a total pervert. He's having sex with a guy named Pomeroy, one of his grad students, right? And uh, he mutilated himself over and over again sexually to experience, and it just gets horrible. I can't say too much about him. Liam Neeson played him in a movie. You'll see, and he's in that movie, it's just disgusting. He's kissing on Pomeroy, his student, you know? And he's just, a, he's a pervert, but guess what? He became the leader. Our, 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 our law code in, in the United States of America a lot of things that were considered were criminal were decriminalized because of his influence. The entertainment world just used his academia, quoted him as though, because he's like, oh, one in 10 persons is homosexual, when it was closer to between one and 2%. 
And they found out, wow, he was taking polls among prisoners in a prison to get his 10%. He's totally trying to deceive people into, and he, you know, he uses imagery like the cowboy, you know. This cowboy, and he's a homosexual, like, you could be a tough homo, you know, and so forth. And then Brokeback Mountain came out some years later. It was always a ploy, you know, to accept these things. Now, it's interesting, Alfred Kinsey, well, let's look at the next slide. He teamed up with Kenneth Anger. Kenneth Anger, you see Lucifer tattoo? He's a co-founder of the Church of Satan. When I was preparing for another video I was making, I was going to a specific video place in Hollywood because I could Jimmy's shaking his head up and down because Jimmy helped me with some of that. And when I went and called, the guy's like, and he, the guy was a Satanist, you know, had all kinds of Satanic stuff, but I could find things I couldn't find other places. And he was talking about his friend, uh, talking about this guy, who's a co-founder, by the way, with Anton LaVey of the Church of Satan. He says, oh, man, I just had to bail so-and-so out because I talked to him once while I wanted to go down there. Didn't know who I was. He goes, yeah, I had to bail uh, Kenneth Anger out, man, because he's picking up a male prostitute. Yeah, that's how they roll. A friend of mine named Mark, uh, uh, Tristy's husband, this guy, uh, he was young, learned to do makeup and stuff, right, with his dad at a Hollywood thing. He said that guy was hitting on him, and he was just a little boy, and his dad took him away from him, okay? This guy, co-founder of Church of Satan, next slide. There's Alfred Kinsey on your left and a younger Kenneth Anger on your right. You have Alfred Kinsey, top sexologist, working with Kenneth Anger. What is he doing? Well, Alfred Kinsey was basically working with pedophiles to basically find out how kids reacted when they molested them. And he put his charts of how they reacted in his books. No kidding. And he was there, according to Pomeroy, who's not up there. That's Kinsey. And then that's uh, Kenneth Anger, the co-founder of Church Satan. Pomeroy, his main colleague, who, by the way, Pomeroy would show up in court trying to lower the age of consent to be with boys and girls, okay? That's what they fought for, okay? This guy right here, these uh, Alfred Kinsey and Kenneth Anger, guess where they're at right there? They're at Crowley's Abbey of Philema in, in San Francisco, a sex temple. And by the way, there's a staged picture right there, and there's Alessa Crowley in the background. And this is what they've been working toward, a lot of these folks, okay? Now... Look at what William Pomeroy said. Because what they did when they got there, they took the paint off the walls that the Italian government put on to cover up their orgies. They had a bunch of orgies. And guess what? The great beast and his followers were against any kind of religion in any form. This is Pomeroy. This is his you know, co-actor in this movement in any form except their own. Yeah. Oh, I'm not religious. Yeah, you are. You're very religious. They're Satanists. They held group orgies as a part of their ritual, and included in them the small children the women brought with them. Those were the pictures of the, the little babies, the children were in the orgies. Next picture. Okay, that'll give me time to breathe and look and so forth. Uh, so it's interesting because what I'm going to show you next is, well, I'm not going to, uh, this is the next part of that. The walls inside were still painted in British Oriental colors. Uh, and were covered with the most open, as Kinsey put it, sexual action pictures, life-size representations of sexual activity, both homosexual and heterosexual, singly, doubly, and in groups, including children, you guys. These are the people, Kinsey and so forth, that have been influencing society for decades. This has been a movement around for a long time, and it's absolutely heartbreaking. You know, it's interesting. In the next slide, you'll see just one mural. We're not going to show you, obviously, the, there's some very disgusting uh, uh, things we can't, we're obviously not going to show you, but that's just a, a self-portrait of Crowley, the Satanist, 
it, it, when they took the paint off and so forth. But guess what? Chris and I, in the, when we did the Kinsey Syndrome video, we went down to San Francisco. There's a Kinsey Spawn. It's like Spawn Sex Institute there. It was considered like the Harvard of Sex Institutes. And one of their eight rules was basically about erasing the age of consent because you don't want to discriminate against children in sex by making the age of consent. Like, it's, like the children are like, oh, I wish I could have sex with a bunch of men. Like little boys are saying, wrong. We went in there with our cameras and we said, hey, and what do you mean by this? And we just, we just kind of stormed the gates of, not really gates of hell, but the gates of this Kinsey Spawn Sex Institute. We'll check out that. Does he have that video clip? Oh, here we are. We also visited the Church of Satan, but it had been closed down by that time. We wanted to confront Anton, but that didn't work. Do we have any sound for that? No sound? Oh, okay. No sound. Okay. Institute for the Advanced Study of Human Sexuality. So I go in there, Chris is filming, and I'm saying, hey, and I'm quoting basically, you know, one of their, they say, what does this mean? We don't want to discriminate against children with regard to the age of consent, you know? And uh, they said, get out of here, we're calling the cops right now, and so forth. And, and, uh, but notice we were gentle, nonviolent, just, you know, and uh, that's Crowley with some of his hair grown back. No, I'm just kidding. That's not Crowley. Okay. I just really realized there was a resemblance. I'm like, that's interesting. Uh, anyway, we'll go to the next scripture. What about the New Testament, Joe? I've already quoted some of the New Testament. But look at what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, which Paul calls the word of Christ, uh, the word of God. Does even nature, Paul says, does even nature itself not teach you that, it is, that if a man has long hair, it's a dishonor to him? But if a woman has long hair, it's a glory to her, for her hair is given to her as her covering. So, you know, in other words, men aren't supposed to look like women. Well, where's the length? Joe? We don't tell you where the length is, but if you look around, and if I come up behind you and I think you're a woman, I say, hey, sister, and you turn around, you got a big old beard, I'm going to be like, okay, that might be too long, you know? Okay? But there should, there, God wants distinctions in our roles. Amen? Uh, and this is the also, as you're seeing, in the New Testament. Now, I want you to check out the next uh, scripture. Uh, well, we'll just keep that one if that's good. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9 says this. And you, if you've got your Bible open, you wanna, you're probably like, I don't need my Bible now. He's putting all the scriptures up. It would be great if you whip your Bible out if you got one. But listen to what it says in 1 Corinthians 6, 9. This is what the Apostle Paul writes. And homosexuality and transgenderism, those things are dealt with throughout the scripture. But God specifically deals with, with these things in 1 Timothy 1.10. Okay, 1 Corinthians 6, 9, Romans chapter 1, verses 26 through 32, Jude verses 6 and 7, Revelation chapter 22, uh, verse 15. In numerous scriptures in the New Testament, 1 Corinthians 11, we just looked at regarding uh, gender distinctions. Satan hates gender distinctions. He hates the family. He hates the fact that we could be saved. He, he, there's just, just people are going nuts these days. And he hates that. Satan hates that. He, he wants to bring as many people down with him to hell as he can. So he doesn't want us to have families. He doesn't want us to have a distinction. He doesn't want us to know why we were made, why we were created in God's image. He, doesn't, he hates the gospel. So guess what? What's the most beautiful picture of the gospel in the human family? Husbands, Paul says, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, amen, They might present her to in all her glory, right, without spot or wrinkle, right, all radiant. The husband and the wife relationship, and the husband, a godly husband, 
that lays his life down for his wife and cares for her and nurtures her and is there for and gives his time, talent, and treasure to be a blessing to her throughout her life. He's a wonderful picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? So Satan hates that because that's what God did. He became a man and died in our place. Amen? Right? And he hates that. So he wants to destroy marriage. Now it's interesting. Listen to 1 Corinthians 6, 9, and 10. Or do you not know, or verse 9 that is, do you not know the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators. It's not just transgenderism. It's not just homosexuality. It's, it's, it's also fornicators. That's heterosexual as well, right? Sexual morality covers those who are outside of marriage who are sleeping together and not repentant. He says, nor fornic- neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers. Covers adultery. Heterosexual adultery is on the list, guys. So don't think, oh, I'm glad I'm not into transgenderism and all that stuff and all the woke philosophy. But you're sleeping with another woman instead of your wife or instead of your husband. You're on the same list of those who will not inherit God's kingdom. Don't be deceived. Amen? And Christians who are involved in uh, sexual sin but are heterosexual and then say, oh, homosexuality or, or, or transgenderism, that's wrong. Well, you got three fingers pointing back at yourself and you're just as condemned. Okay? So this isn't a, uh, uh, an issue of, uh, uh, it deals with all sexual sin. And by the way, God loves every single one of us, no matter what you've got trapped in. But you have to repent and get right with God. Amen? It's nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate. Now isn't that interesting? Listen to that. Nor effeminate, nor homosexuals. The word effeminate is different in the Greek than homosexuals. There's two different groups here being talked about. Nor effeminate, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor the covetous, nor drunkards, and you might be like, oh, God, I'm, I'm glad. I don't, I'm not involved in gender, transgenderism, homosexuality, fornication, adultery. I'm good. <laughs> you know, and you're burping and you're, you're all drunk. No, and drunkards too. Nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. They won't inherit the kingdom of God. Now, this is the interesting thing. When he says, nor effeminate, nor homosexuals. The Greek is malakoi, alte, and arsakonotai. Okay, and arsakonatai is a very interesting word, and so is malakoi. Okay, now what's interesting with regard to arsakonatai, you see it up there, arsakonatai. Oh, I'm sorry, uh, arsakoitai. Okay, arsakoitai. Get, get to pronounce that right. The the interesting thing about the word uh, arsakoitai, okay, is it's the first time you see it in the Greek language is by the Apostle Paul right here, First Corinthians six, and then in First Timothy one ten of those in 1 Corinthians 1.10 that, that, that God's law is against. Arsenokoitai. Now, arsenokoitai is interesting because that word is a compound word where if you're looking at the LXX, listen, the LXX would be the Greek Septuagint, the Greek translation of the Old Testament, that what Jesus used, that the apostles used. You would see the two words separately. You'd see arsen for man, and then you would see koitai for bed. So those words already existed Separately, arson for men, koitai for, for bed. Where did they exist? In the Old Testament law, in Leviticus chapter 18, verse 22, where it says, a man, an arson, shall not bed, koitai, another man. So those who were familiar with the Old Testament, which was being read by Jews and Gentiles in Greek at that time, many of them, they would see arson and koitai, and they see ooh, arson and koitai with another arson man bedding another man. They'd see that, and they'd say, ah, that's forbidden by God. But then Paul puts the two words together, 
okay, arsenokoitai, it makes a new word by bringing the two words together, which basically means, I have it up there, as man betters, okay? These are men that bet other men, okay? There's no mystery as to what the word means. Paul used it for the first time, and Paul was steeped in the Old Testament, amen? And he was familiar with that scripture, and also a little bit later in Leviticus, where it uses the same two words, and he puts them together and says, arsenokoitai. This is unbiblical. In fact, it's interesting. The New King James Version translates it as effeminate and then sodomites. Okay? So it has effeminate. And then what we're talking about the second word, arsenokoitai, which is translated homosexuals, translates as sodomites. The NASB, the 1995 translations, which so many of us use here, uh, it, it says effeminate and homosexuals. And a marginal note, which is interesting, reads this way, i.e. effeminate by perversion. These are those who, men, who are not effeminate, but they make themselves effeminate, okay? The English Standard Version translates it men who practice homosexuality, but an ESV marginal note reads, quote, the two Greek terms translated by this, it's talking about arsenokoitai and malakoi, the two Greek terms that are translated this way refer to passive, now listen to this, they refer to passive and active partners in consensual homosexual acts. So you understand that? The effeminate, the malakoi, that refers to a homosexual who is acting as the female. The man that's saying, hey, I'm trans, I'm a female, I'm going to, even though I'm biologically a male, I'm going to pretend I'm a woman or say I'm a woman or I feel like I'm a woman right now, so I'm going to be, I'm going to be the receptor, I'm going to be the female in this relationship. Where the homosexual, according to the ESV, uh, those who are senakoitai, refers to the, the, the male homosexual who's acting as the male. Now, there's many nuances to these words, but uh, it's, it's, uh, uh, these words have ranges of different meanings that we need to be concerned about uh, because they can not just deal with the homosexual activity. Effeminate was also used of men, whether they're having homosexual activity or not, that we're trying to look like women. In fact, let's look at the next slide. Uh, this is Clement of Alexandria, the instructor, the philosopher in the second century, telling us what the Greek word malakoi meant in the biblical times, he says, it's those who became effeminate, wearing women's hairstyles and perfume and shaving their bodies to become smooth like women. One of the church fathers, Clement of Alexandria, we'll look at what he said next. Clement of Alexandria says, I'm sorry, uh, this is Clement of Alexandria. I'm sorry, Philo is next. That, so I was quoting Clement of Alexandria. He's a church father, not a philosopher, but he's philosophical too. We'll go to the next slide. But that's what he said about Malakoi. Did we miss uh, Philo? Or did we pass that up? Oh, Philo, there he is. Okay, this is a philosopher. He's a second century philosopher, okay? And he says a Malakoi, I mean soft men, effeminate. He said it became, those who became like women in their persons altered the impression of their natural manly appearance into the resemblance of a woman. Sound familiar, guys? Paul is addressing that in the first century. Brothers and sisters, we need to open our eyes and say, what does God say about all this confusion that's going on? And how wicked is it that you have Hollywood, you have uh, uh, woke uh, academia, right? You have the media funneling a bunch of these kids into a, a world of destruction where they're denying their biological makeup. And wonder, no wonder there's so many of these folks that are suicidal and, and wondering, who am I? And the rate of suicide is so huge among those who have had uh, sex mutilation operations. This is really heartbreaking. A couple more slides. I will go with that, that book. This is an interesting book if you want to look deeper into this. I've, I've got this book. I thought it was great. It's called Unchanging Witness 
by a guy named Forston and another man, the consistent Christian teaching of homosexuality in Scripture and tradition. And this is done by two scholars. It's a really, really powerful work. When I was reading, I was like, wow, you know, these guys really get into uh, the, the Malakoi, you know, our Senekoitai, these various Greek words. They point out that the word Malakoi was used in the first century by the Apostle Paul. It was already a known word, and it was used of much the way the LGBTQ movement or LGBTQ movements uh, operates today. It was considered those who were trying to change their sex as best they could in those days, and, and so forth, and homosexuality and so forth. It's very interesting uh, read. Now, uh, but guess what? There was another, another member of Crowley's OTO cult, uh, who became the founder of the modern-day gay revolution. And he happened to be part of Crowley's OTO. That's the next guy we see. And his name is Harry Hay. Uh, and I've exposed him way back when our, they sold their souls for rock and roll, the 10-hour version. He's wearing a dress there. He's called the oldest hippie. What's an old, uh, old guy saying, I'm a hippie? He want to ha- hang out with the young people. They go after the youth. They target our children, guys, because the youth are the least discerning in the world. They have the least experience. Okay, and they target the young people. And he was an old guy saying, I'm a hippie too. And, try, and he was a piano player for Crowley's sex cult called the Order Templi Orientis, or O-T-O, Harry Hay. Okay, and let's look at one of his books. There he is as a younger gentleman. Uh, well, Harry Hay, founder of the modern gay movement. Most Christians are clueless about this whole movement, guys. It's rooted in Crowleyanism. It's rooted in Satanism. He was part of Crowley's satanic cult. He's a father of the gay revolution. Next slide. Harry Hay. And this is even from Wikipedia. It talks about how he was distributing his flyers and literature and so forth. A flyer advertising the event was released, which proclaimed that gays had a place in the a paradigm shift of the new age. Well, Crowley came up with the term new eon. This is all part of the Crowley's new eon, by the way, new age. And I quoted Mark Satin and Hay quoted who? Aleister Crowley, alongside Hay, the flyer quotes. These flyers were sent out to gay and leftist bookstores, as well as gay community centers and health food stores. Uh, You guys, there's been a movement afoot for decades. It's just now come out of the closet, now it's parading, now it's saying you go in the closet now, and we're going to rule the world. Uh, Next slide. There's Harry Hay. Guess what? He's marching the gay parade, but notice he has a placard on. NAMBLA walks with me. You know what NAMBLA stands for? North American Man Boy Love Association. NAMBLA wants to erase the age of consent, okay? It was homosexuality, now it's transgenderism. I wouldn't be surprised if down the line LGB, and they'll add another letter, P, will be for pedophilia. Because many of the leading homosexuals, whether it was uh, Harry Hay, whether it was uh, Alfred Kinsey, whether it was some of these other leaders wanted to, Pomeroy, who worked with Kinsey, lower the age of consent. They want, they'd love to obliterate the age of consent. Okay? Uh, I saw an article recently, a bunch of people covered it, uh, that the United Nations is trying to erase uh, the age of consent. Now, they're saying that. I looked deeper at, at what the United Nations was saying, and their language is very confusing. So right now, it looks like they're saying, you know, there shouldn't be discrimination, not based on age as much as what they're saying, uh, whether someone's married or not, and they marry someone that's younger and so forth. So it's unclear what they're really saying. And so, Because I know some of you say, how come you didn't deal with that new thing the UN did? Because it's not really clear what they're doing. We know where this is all going, though. And, and guess what? <laughs> We're in the United States, and it's bad enough right here, you know? So NAMLA, National Man-Boy Love Association. 
I've been saying for years and years and years, the ultimate end goal of this whole movement is your children. They want the kids. And in Sodom and Gomorrah, because I saw that, I'm like, ooh, in Sodom and Gomorrah, it's not just the older, it's the young people they got. And they, they, they basically got a hold of the young people from the families, and they were all marching together. First gay parade was in Sodom and Gomorrah. Crazy. And by the way, in the book of Ezekiel, you know what it says the sin of Sodom was? The first thing it lists? Pride. In Romans 1, when it talks about they're given over to homosexuality, it says they glory in their shame, you know? Or they glory in those who, they, they glory in those who do these things. I'm sorry, is what it says. It comes back to pride. I am God. I will decide whether I am a male, a female, a cat, a dog. Lycanthropy. Some are saying they're different animals or different creatures. Can I be anything I want? Can I go and say, hey, I'm an American Indian. I want these rights. It depends. Why can't you? You, 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 can, you can in the political. When it comes to sexuality, you can redefine who you are. Biologically, you can say, well, that's not really who I am. But where's the line stop? Can I say I am a famous sushi chef and I'm Japanese? Would you believe it? Could you imagine if you were considered a bigot if you didn't believe it? It would be ridiculous if you were considered a bigot because you didn't believe it. But you're considered a bigot if you say, hey, hands off my children. You're not indoctrinating them. And no, I'm sorry, I don't believe that men that are wearing dresses are pretending to be women are actually women. Oh, you're a bigot. But I'm not a bigot if I, if, if, if I disagree with somebody who is a two-foot, uh, a four-foot, five uh, white guy who says he's a sumo wrestler from Japan and he weighs 420 pounds. And I said, I just don't believe it. Bigot! I'm sorry, I just don't see it. Well, we're bigots, though, if we deny biology. The science is on our side. The science is obvious, guys. It's, I, I've been saying for years, it's the emperor's new clothes. You have to just go along with it. I'm not going along with it. I'm sorry. I'm going with Jesus. Take my head off, man. I'll go home sooner. But I'm going to stand up and stand up for the truth and, and fight for the truth no matter what. And with our fighting, it's spiritual, not physical. Amen? Amen. Next slide. Crowley, uh, Michael Swift. This was in the Gay Community News. And in the preface of this, this was supposed to be like tongue-in-cheek. And I thought it's interesting. This gay guy is actually, when you read it, though, it actually is prophetic because this was way back in 1987. And it, this is all coming to pass now. It has been for now for years. He says, we shall sodomize your sons, emblems of your feeble masculinity. Remember Crowley said we would have seduced the boys of England? Uh, of your shallow dreams and vulgar lies, we shall seduce them in your schools. They are. In your dormitories. They are. In your gymnasiums. They are. In your locker rooms. They are. In your sports arenas. They are. In your seminaries. In your youth groups. They are. In your movie theaters, bathrooms, and so forth. You know? And you have news coming out where transgender men are saying, hey, I'm female, and they're going into women's bathrooms, and sometimes you have women being attacked by men because they got the perfect cover now, right? Just claim to be uh, transgender. Now, it's interesting. This, this next slide, this is now, this is, I thought, I, I want to slides because I want you to see it for your, your own eyes because I thought, man, if I go up and I say these things, those who know me know that I document everything, you know, but I thought you need to see it with your own eyes because there'll be visitors. We've got a ton of people that watch uh, by, via, uh, you know, live stream and so forth. And, and I want you to see it with your own eyes. This is from 2011 U.S. gay activist Daniel uh, Valerio and a column for Queerty.com. And he says, we, uh, we can please just start admitting that we do actually want to indoctrinate kids. That's what the headline says. Okay. In 2011. Headline. We could stop pretending this, and we could go to the next slide. 
Why would we push anti-bullying programs or social study classes that teach kids about the historical contributions of famous queers unless we wanted to deliberately educate children to accept queer sexuality as normal? Why would we do that? Because obviously we have an agenda. Next slide. I think this is interesting. They accuse us of exploiting children, and in response we say, no, we're not going to make kids learn about homosexuality. We swear. It's not like we're trying to recruit your children or anything, but let's face it, that's a lie. We want educators to teach future generations of children to accept queer sexuality. In fact, our very future depends on it. A headline from the, the Huffington Post, okay? Now we're talking uh, Huffington Post, and uh, we're, we're fast-forwarding several years. Uh, I have come to what? This is the headline. I have come to indoctrinate your children into my LGBTQ agenda. And I'm not a bit sorry. Wow. And the article says from the Huffington Post, and I quote it, uh, this, this, I am here to tell you all the time that I said I wasn't indoctrinating anyone with my beliefs about gay and lesbian and bi and trans and uh, queer people. That was a lie. All 25 years of my career as an LGBTQ activist, I have been on a consistent campaign of trying to change people's minds about us. I want to make them like us. Not just tolerant. And if someone chooses, if my next-door neighbor or someone across the street, they choose to be a certain way, okay, I love them. I'm going to pray for them. I'm going to disagree with them. I'm going to hope they come to Christ, right? But it's not about just, with a lot of these leaders in this movement, it's not about just getting you to not be against you know, what they're doing as far as being militant, because we're not militant. True Christians are not militant trying to hurt other people. Jesus said I, he didn't come to the world to uh, condemn the world, but to what? To save the world. Amen? That's why he came. So we have the life-saving. We, we come as a witness to Christ because we were once there. We were once wrong. We were once messed up, right? And God saved us, so we love them. However, guess what? Notice the last words. The last words. I want to make them like us. Okay? That's important to understand. In fact, uh, one meme, actually my sister Peggy sent me this meme uh, yesterday. I thought it was interesting. Ask not why the children shouldn't see drag queens. Ask why drag queens crave an audience of children. I thought that is so true. Why are they craving an audience of children? Well, guess what? They're grooming our children. Okay. They're trying to get them not only to accept this, but trying to cast them, as one of them admitted, in our image. In fact, I show you a gentleman here talking about just that at a meeting with a public meeting. And listen to what he says. He's a, transge he's a transvestite or trans, uh, tr tr transgender guy. My name's Ellen Pontiff. I'm actually going to be one of the drag queens. Lights off. Thanks. Can you turn the lights off? Thank you. So, apparently to a lot of people in this room, I'm the big boogeyman. But I'm here to let you know that this event is something that's going to be very beautiful. And for the children and the people that support it are going to realize that this is going to be the grooming of the next generation. We are trying to groom the next generation. Now you have these people that are trying to prevent drag shows from being even seen by children. Like for pride events, like kids not being able to go to pride events because they don't want children to see drag queens. I think that if I can just like pull a few doing that drag queen story time for the first time and getting to read to these kids and sitting there and being introduced to all of this stuff. And so by the time that they see it, whenever they're teenage years, preteen years, it's not something that's weird and it's not something that's abnormal. And by the way, the first clip you saw, he said, I'm trying to groom them, okay? You think that's a word used by Christian conservatives? It's right out of his mouth, okay? 
saying what they're trying to do, trying to groom our kids, you know, and it's heartbreaking. Uh, next slide, Jonathan. Thanks, bro. This is the scripture. Behold, this was the guilt of your sister Sodom. <laughs> she had her daughters had, had arrogance. She and her daughter has arrogance, plenty of food and uh, carefree ease, but she did not help the poor and needy. Okay. Uh, somebody look up that particular verse because I'm not seeing the word pride there. Ezekiel 20, 16, 49. Okay, and we'll keep going until somebody yells out uh, what they see in 1649. But uh, uh, anybody got it? Ezekiel 1649? I hear pages uh, turning. What do you got? Just for verse 49, if you could read that. Pride, first thing on the list, okay? Uh, so what you're going to see next is not just singing about gay pride, but this is the San Francisco Gay Choir singing about their objectives. And by the way, what somebody might say, oh, well, you know, oh, it's tongue-in-cheek and so forth. Well, listen to what one of their spokespersons said, and I quote, after decades of children being indoctrinated and taught intolerance for uh, anyone who is other from using the Bible as a weapon to, for reparative therapy, it's our turn. We have dedicated ourselves to being role models, teaching, spreading the message of love, tolerance, and celebration through our music. So they're saying straight out, hey, it's our turn. Now we get to indoctrinate your children. Wait, we're not talking about indoctrinating your children. We're talking about teaching our own children God's word. But you don't have children because you can't have children, but you want to indoctrinate our children. Big difference there. Okay, let's, let's see this, what the choir is singing. This was huge. San Francisco Gay Choir. They just kind of tell you straight out what they're doing. You think that we'll corrupt your kids if our agenda goes unchecked? Funny, just this once, you're correct. You can keep them from disco. Warn about San Francisco. We'll convert your children, yes we will. We're coming for them. We're coming for your children. We're coming for them. We're coming for your children. We're coming for them. The gay agenda is coming home. The Did it just get hung up? Or you just stopped it there? Okay. Okay, that's enough. We see it, right? Uh, so, guys, they're kind of telling you what they're doing, okay? Yeah, you, you know, it's like, oh, Pastor Joe was kind of getting a little extreme. He was saying they're doing that. I'm sure they're not doing that. Well, they're telling you what they're doing, okay? They're after your children. They can't reproduce, okay? So they want us to reproduce for them. And for a lot of them, want fresh bodies. Because if you look at male homosexuals and you look at their practices, it's not usually this, you know, one-on-one male relationship that lasts a lifetime. Uh, I'm not saying it doesn't happen. That's still unbiblical. But oftentimes, it's a known thing. That's why there's so much disease and AIDS and all these other things that are, have been a product of such lifestyles going from man to man to man because they're looking for sexual experiences. And they love young guys. They love, some of them, love children. Crowley did, and he's the founder of this entire movement. He's a real founder of the sexual revolution, not Harry Hay. 
Harry Hay was a follower of his, ultimately, and it was founded by a Satanist. Uh, this was from San Francisco Bay Times, and that's the one I already quoted, so we'll just pass it up by them, him saying, hey, now we're indoctrinating your children. Because they try to say, oh, we're just kind of playing. Well, how come now you get on defense that way? You guys got the Bible. We get to do it through our music. Ooh, you just let the truth come out. Thank you, thank you, for, saying, thank you for admitting that, buddy. Uh, by the way, just another headline that we're talking about, a Washington bill uh, uh, for medical transgender interventions of minors. Uh, and this is just heartbreaking. When a minor is seeking or receiving protected health care services, if they run away and they're living somewhere else, and then they want to, say, say your 10-year-old kid you know, is living somewhere else and they want to have a sex change. Or the person they're talking to is saying, hey, you know what, you know, like, you know what, Jim? You know, you really look like a sander to me. Have you ever felt like you wanted to play with a doll or something? Oh, and all of a sudden they're giving, they take, you can't stop it as a parent in Washington. Now they could take your kid and take them and they can basically get them uh, mutilated, uh, uh, mutilation of body parts, facial feminization surgeries, uh, tracheal shaves, uh, mastectomy, breast reductions, and puberty blockers for your little kids now. Now, isn't that crazy? Because you know the pediatrician cannot give your child a flu shot unless you sign two consent forms? Do you know that? They can't. A, a, a pediatrician can't do that. In fact, you can't even have a pediatrician pierce your kid's ears without signed permission. But guess what? Now, why would this be so radical? Because there's an agenda. They can take your kid against your will, and you don't even know about it, and totally give them a sex change which doesn't really change the sex, it just deforms their body, and it breaks our hearts because of it. Amen? You know, it's interesting. I was with uh, Big Jim Sanford, and we went to, last week, we went to uh, uh, the Reagan Library. It's there till August. We went to the Reagan Library, and they're doing the Auschwitz, the biggest Nazi concentration camp. And if you haven't seen it, you need to, because Germany was considered the most progressive nation on the planet at the time. Okay? I mean, they were socialists. Nazism means national socialism. But they were fascists, right? And it was their way or the highway. And in some ways, they claimed to be conservative, right? And guess what? They had what, before the Nazis were killing people, killing almost six million, more than probably six million Jews. I believe there's probably more because that's just what's been confessed. Before they were killing six million Jews in gas chambers, guess what else they were doing? Guess who they started with? There was Action T14, and I was tripping out because I was at this one station, because you go to these stations, and you, there's all kinds of things to read, but there's all these video clips, and Action T14 was where they were first killing, before they touched, before they were killing Jews at all, they started with little kids, okay? They had parents take their kids that were sickly, uh, handicapped, or physically or mentally challenged, and they were going to take care of them and give them therapy and, and help them become, you know, but guess what they're really doing? They're starving them to death. They're injecting them and killing them. And then eventually they were using gases on adults at that same place, and then the gases, guess what? It starts with them going after our kids, okay? And eventually confessing Christians who stood against Nazis and were being put to death. Gays were being put to death. That's wicked too. But guess what? A lot of the, a lot of the SS, as long as you were a butch gay, you're okay. As long as you weren't an effeminate gay, it was not, but a lot of the Nazis were butch gays, okay? Now, it's interesting because there is a steps toward destruction that are going forth, and we'll just look at the scriptures. Step one, deny the creator. And this is all in Romans 1. In Romans 1, the next slide, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of people who suppress the truth and unrighteousness because that which is known about God is evident within them, for God made it evident 
to them. And it goes on to say that the very things he made for since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, that is, his eternal power, his divine nature have been clearly perceived, being understood by what has been made so that they are not air without excuse. So first you deny the creator. Why, why does this agenda, this woke agenda, so often want to deny the creator? Because they want to be their own creators. That's both, ultimately, that's what it's, the, the big lie. I did a message about eight weeks ago. Called, I think it was called the big lie. And I showed you in Romans chapter 1, it says they deny the creator, they believe. In the Greek, it says the lie. Then I go to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, and it talks about the Antichrist claiming to be God, right? And it talks about those who receive, refuse to receive the love of the truth, that they're given over, it says, to the lie. The lie is that we are God. And if we're God, I can decide what sex I am then. I, maybe I have billions of choices. Oh, male and female, oh, that's, you know, I'm non-binary, I can be fluid, I can be whatever. No, you're not. You're, you can, you, guess what? A man can change himself into a woman and say, I'm a woman now, but he still has a prostate, as my dear mom, a nurse, had said for years, you know. You're still the other sex. Your DNA is still the same. And now you're in this hor- horrible conflict within yourself, and it just breaks the heart. But first is deny the cr- creator. Second stage is exalt yourself as wise as your own God. The next goes, Romans goes on to say in Romans 1, the very next verse, for even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks, but they became futile in their reasonings and their senseless hearts were darkened, claimed to be wise. They became fools. Well, what's the next step? So now, now they're claiming, hey, we don't have to follow God, but guess what? We're the wise ones. We're big brother. We're going to tell you how to live life. Who are you to judge us? We're going to change. You can change your sex. You be do what thou wilt. Is basically what it is. Next uh, slide. What well, goes on to say they worship the creature rather than the creator, creation. Next slide. Uh, Therefore, God gave them up to vile impurity in their lust of their hearts to that uh, to uh, so that their bodies would be dishonored among them. For they exchanged the truth of God for falsehood. In the Greek, it's for the lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. Next slide. So we have step four. Give them over. So, so the, the first one is, there's no God. The second one is, we're the all-wise ones. The third one is, you just declare that you, you yourselves are gods. We're God. Number four, they're given over to sexual depravity, sexual sin. This is, the, this is the devolution of humanity that Paul talks about. And we read in Romans 1.26, the very next verse is, For this reason God gave them over to degrading passions, for their women exchanged natural relations. So the women take their natural relations, which would be with a man, uh, for that which is contrary to nature. And likewise, the men, too, abandon their natural relations with women and burn in their desire toward one another, males with males committing shameful acts and receiving in their own persons the due penalty of their error. So they'll receive diseases. They'll receive punishment for their error when they give themselves over to homosexuality, it says. Next slide. Step five. What happens is when you're totally given over to depravity and you reject God more and more, you have to destroy the vestiges of conscience of what's right and wrong, good and evil, and your heart becomes hardened, and therefore you're given over to not all of homosexuals, not all adulterers, not all those involved in fornication, but many of them get given over to hard hearts to the degree where they're just filled with hate and murder. In fact, look what it goes on to say. The scripture in Romans 1, 28 now says, And just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a depraved mind to do those things that are not proper. People having been filled with what? All unrighteousness, 
filled with wickedness, greed, and evil, full of envy, full of what else? Murder, strife, deceit, and malice, and their gossips. So a lot of these folks are going to be filled with murder. What just happened? In Tennessee, you know? And they just stopped another guy that was planning on doing it and was going to shoot up a kid, another transgender. Let's look at the next, script, next deal. The Colorado Springs shooter identified as non-binary. The Denver shooter identified as trans. The Aberdeen shooter identified as trans. The Nashville shooter identified as trans. One thing's very clear. <laughs> There's a radicalization going on right now, okay? And you know the spokesperson for Biden, the spokeslady, right, who's lesbian? She says, well, we're gonna, the, the transgender community is going to fight back. I'm like, Woo, what kind of language to use after a bunch of kids were just put to death? Wow. Heartbreaking. Full of murder. Next slide. This is, a, uh, this is a, a book called Autopsy, written by Milton Halpern, okay? the world's greatest medical detective. He was New York's chief, uh, chief, uh, of, uh, chief coroner there. And uh, he was the chief medical examiner of New York City. So guess what's interesting in this book? The, the mem memoirs of Milton Hepburn, right? The world's greatest medical. He has a section. He's not a, I don't think he's a Christian. He has a, a section in there where he says he's had like 65,000 different autopsies he's performed. And he says he could always tell when there was a homosexual murder just from looking at it. Oop, this is homosexual murder because it would be multiple stabbings, he said. Multiple he goes, I knew when I had a He said, because the passion unleashed in a homosexual murder was so devastating. And I thought, isn't that interesting? And I mentioned that probably 30 years ago in a message, years ago. And a gal came up to me. She goes, Joe, I have the Red Book. She brings me this magazine that she reads. And she goes, look at this. Had a whole article by a guy saying, separate from this, that the murders, they were keeping a whole log on gay murders here in L.A., the, the L.A. Police Department, of showing how there's multiple stabbings and it's just, they're different kind of murders. And then the guy that wrote the article says, as I'm writing, I'm in contact with New York City and they're saying they see the same phenomena, multiple mutilations and stuff by homosexual murders. And then he writes in this thing, he goes, but guess what? Because of the gay lobbyists and stuff, they're saying we need to get rid of taking account and, and, and basically codifying what's happening here in his history because it's, it's discriminatory. So they're going to have to drop it. But guys, this is all very biblical. You wonder how they're going to be able to put to death so many Christians in the end, just like they did in Nazi Germany? Because we're the last vestiges of their conscience. Telling them, no, this is wrong. And I've been saying for years, if you could kill over 60 million babies, innocent babies who never did you anything, never judged you, quote, unquote, or whatever, it's going to be way easy for those same folks to kill other people, ultimately, when it becomes legal. Wow. Uh, Next slide. This is a man named Tara. Uh, he's, you'll see a man in a dress, okay? And you're going to see him talking about, hey, you're not going to stop me from getting into the girl's bathroom. Okay? Listen to what he says here. This is recent. If you back a wild animal into a corner, they're going to become a dangerous animal. So if you want to die on that hill of yours of righteousness and moral majority, then you go right ahead. I dare you to try and stop me from going into a women's bathroom. It will be the last mistake you ever make. I dare you to try and stop a transgender woman in my presence from using the bathroom. It will be the last mistake you ever make. This is a call to action and a call to arms to everybody within the United States that are scared, 
worried, have children that are transgender, lesbian, bi, or gay, this is a call to action. You need to arm up, plain and simple. Go out, buy a gun, learn how to use it efficiently, through and through, because the time to act is now. You need to protect yourself and you need to protect your fellow transgender brothers and sisters and theys and thems. You need to protect the rest of us in the LGB community, as I'm going to do myself. Because there are lots of people like me who are not afraid to die. I love my girlfriends to death, but I would rather die for them to secure their safety, freedom, and future than to live and not have anything done. So you go ahead. You protect your kids. Well, I have news. I'm truly not afraid to die because I know exactly where I'm going. If that guy dies, he goes straight to hell forever, okay? And guess what? If I saw that dude coming in our bathroom and there's little girls in there and he's going to try to molest one of our little girls, I'm glad to die to stop you. I'm going to bounce your head off the sink or whatever it's going to take, man, to stop you, okay? I'm just being honest with you. you because guess what? A lot of these guys are entering into our, in the bathrooms and he's talking about my sisters. Dude, you are a man, Okay? And you are not, you're not going to be coming in my bathroom, in our fellowship, going after our girls, okay? And of course, say, oh, I wouldn't go after girls. Well, a lot of these guys are, okay? They're going after kids. We've already, approached, we've already seen that that's true. Now, well, what about those that are truly confused and they're, they're, they're dressed like a woman and going to a woman's bathroom, okay? I'm not saying that some of them aren't. A lot of them are truly confused. A lot of them aren't, I believe, hunting children either. I want to make that clear. Some of them are hunting children, though, okay? And, and he better bring a gun, Okay? I might be about 60 years old, but ain't no man dress going to whip me, okay? <laughs> I'm just being honest, you know? Next slide. Destruction of the family is number six, okay? Destruction of the family. We got to go quick now. Uh, Romans 1, it talks about they'll be haters of God, insolent, arrogant, you know, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents without understanding, untrustworthy, unloving. And that Greek word, I've pointed this out to you before, and I wish more pastors would point out. That Greek word is only used twice in the New Testament. There's different Greek words for love. Okay, eros, which isn't in the Old Testament, isn't in the Bible, but it means romantic love. There's phileo, which is, is brotherly love. Philadelphia comes from that. There's agape, which is kind of a soul out love. But then there's storge. Astorge, the A, negates the next word. It means no love. And that particular kind of love is family love. They'll be without family love. What did Crowley call marriage? an insidious institution. What did he call family? Public enemy number one, right? They'll be without family love. And that's what Satan wants to do, destroy the family through transgenderism. And by the way, go to the next scripture. It goes on to say the other time we see that word used is in 2 Timothy chapter 3, where it says, realize this, in the last days, terrible times will come, right? Difficult times will come for people to be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, slanders, disobedient parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, astorge. You know what the King James translation, I like the King James translation right here. It says, translates astorge without natural affection. It's not natural love. It's unnatural. And you might be saying, and you're sitting in the audience, you're saying, but Joe, I know I'm biologically this way, but I have feelings that way. That, I don't deny that that happens. The Bible talks about how you can be deceived with unnatural affections. We can get all messed up in our humanity because we're fallen. We're fallen human beings, amen? Okay? But if you're created a biological male or a biological female, that's what God created to be. And just as you got 
just as you've got sexual dysphoria or a confusion, God can transform you by the power of Jesus Christ. God sent his son to the world, not only to die for the world, to pay for your sins and all of our sins, but to transform us from the inside out. And if the Bible says we must identify with the Lord and what he did, in fact, you can't you can identify both as a Christian and as gay at the same time. Why? Let's go to the next uh, slide. We'll go to the next slide again. Jesus said you've got to build your house on the rock, not on the sand. We looked at that big old sinkhole. Next slide. Uh, next slide. Next slide. The Bible says, right after it says that adulterers, fornicators, effeminate, malakoi, homosexuals, are senakoitai, will not inherit God's kingdom. It says, the very next verse, Paul says, such were what? Some of you. You were that way. You were homosexuals. You were effeminate. You were adulterers. You were drunkards. You, you were fornicators. But such were some of you. You're not gay and a Christian at the same time. You were that. You weren't adulterer and a Christian at the same time. You got to, we're going to be one or the other. You identify now with Christ. Such were some of you, but you were what? You were washed. You were cleansed by Christ's blood. You were justified. You were made right with God. You were sanctified. God transformed you. And then he goes on to say in the very next verse, or no, I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians, the very next letter, Therefore, if anyone be in Christ, this person is what? A new creation. The old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. As another translation, all things become new. God wants to change you from the inside out. Do you believe God, who created the entire universe, think how much power he has, has the ability to change your heart and give you natural affections again? Absolutely. It's an easy thing for him. You just must embrace Christ as your Lord and Savior. You must surrender to him and repent. When I do biblical counseling, part of that's the big word that's used a lot is repentance. You need to turn from doing your own thing and being your own God, saying, God, I surrender now, and he'll change you from the inside out. He'll give you new desires, a new heart, it says, a heart that beats. It says a heart of flesh instead of a heart of stone. Amen. He transforms. I know that, man. I was a messed up guy in all kinds of ways. When I was at the age of 18, I came to Jesus, man, and he radically transformed my heart. And now he lives in there, and I have desires to be with my brothers and sisters in Christ, to worship God, to know him, and even die for him if that's what it takes. Now, uh, so we can be a new creation. That's a beautiful promise no matter who you are. God has you here for a reason at this very moment. He's giving you an opportunity if you have been going in the wrong direction. Jesus said, enter the straight gate, the narrow gate. For straight is the way that leads to life, and few are those who find it. But broad and spacious is the way that leads to destruction, and many go that way. Don't go to destruction. It's eternal. You have this one fleeting opportunity to receive Jesus. His lifetime is short. Make sure you turn to Jesus now while you have opportunity, whether you're involved in adultery, fornication, uh, becoming effeminate, uh, homosexuality, drunkenness, any of these things, man. Turn to Jesus and be saved. Amen. Next slide. Oh, did we get, did we get that butterfly at all? Okay, we'll just keep talking for a moment. But uh, guys, I, I quoted the verse earlier. We passed it kind of quick. But Jesus said, build your, house, build your life on the rock. At the end of the most famous message ever shared on earth called the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus talked about how the man would be blessed who built his life, his house on the rock. He talked about two different men. One man builds his house on the sand, doesn't use a rock foundation. And another one builds his house on a rock. He said the wise man built his house on the rock. He says both these men had a huge storm hit. Water, hail, flo wind, floods. And he says, great was the fall of the one that was built on the sand. If the foundations are destroyed, Psalm 11, how will the righteous stand? Except the Lord build the house, the labors labor in vain. If you're building your life on your own ideas, your feelings, your whims, you're going to go down for destruction. But he said, the wise man built his house on the rock. And after the same floods, 
right? Same storm comes. It stood, amen? God wants you to stand, amen? And you can only stand if you build your life on Jesus Christ, his gospel, his words. I love what Paul said in Romans 1.16. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it's the power of God to everyone, the Jew and also the Greek, right? To salvation. It's the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes, the Jew first and also the Greek. Man, there's power there. In fact, the Bible says that God transforms us. The Greek word that he uses is the word we get metamorphosis from. It's a really powerful Greek word. He metamorphosizes us. He changes us, man. And we go from a worm. We were used to be like worms, right? And there's a miracle. Like he's even seen in nature through the power of the resurrection. That worm becomes that butterfly, amen? And we get transformed. And we become new within, and one day we'll be resurrected. That's why, by the grace of God, we don't have to fear death, man. We stand, for, and man, to be absent from the body, the Bible says, to be present with the Lord, amen? And we have a resurrection coming in the future. Stand up for Jesus. If you don't know Jesus, man, don't wait till tomorrow to make the decision. Follow him now and say, Lord God, you had me here for a reason. I embrace you as my Lord and Savior. And make sure you take a stand and you, and you protect your families. Amen? Amen? I love you guys. Let's pass out the cup of the bread. Amen. Praise God. He is good. Amen. Amen. Yeah, give him glory. Praise the Lord. We love you, Lord Jesus.